Welcome to Mr. and Mrs. Therapy. We're your hosts, Tim and Ruth Olson, licensed marriage and family therapists and trauma experts. We provide wisdom for personal growth and healthy relationships. Stick with us and you'll gain practical tools and insights that will help you be a healthier and happier you. Welcome back for part two of What is Love Anyways? And let's jump right in. The next one is love does not insist on its own way. And this is such an interesting thing because I think a lot of times in marriages, people can have a tendency to draw a line on the sand and say, this is what we're going to do. It's my way or the highway kind of a thing. But again, going back to this idea, we are this partnership that is working together for mutual benefit, right? It's not for my benefit. It's not just for your benefit. We're working towards a mutual benefit. And it's so interesting because I think a lot of times people insist on their own way as if they couldn't give the other person's way a try and then see how that goes. And if it doesn't go the way they want, then try to shift over to the other way or find some type of collaboration where we have some type of compromise and we do something more middle of the road. But I see this all the time in therapy where couples will be fighting tooth and nail about what they want to do with something. But it's a situation where they could take the time and effort to do a little bit of an experiment one way, see how it goes, and then experiment the other way. But instead of doing that, they're just fighting about theoretically how one option would play out versus the other option. And a lot of times it almost seems like they're terrified to even try the other person's way. And I think a lot of times what this does boil down to is people get married to their ideas where they think that if my idea isn't right, then it's tantamount to a personal attack on me. Versus, oh, I just had this idea and I thought it would work this way, but when I did it, oh, it didn't really work out. It's not saying anything negative about you, but I see this all the time with couples is that they just really get married to those ideas and they have a very hard time moving away from it or even considering trying another way. But there's so many different options in a marriage where it's like you could take some time, experiment with option A, and then move on and experiment with option B. Or maybe stick with option A because, oh, wow, that worked out way better than I was imagining it would. Yeah, and this often comes up as controlling, right? If your spouse makes a suggestion and you automatically say no or why that's not going to work, then that's not creating an environment where it's safe for them to even share ideas because they know you're going to automatically shoot it down. So they feel like you're going to be controlling or micromanaging or disagreeable to anything that I say, or you're going to point out the reasons why it's wrong. And so it creates an environment where they're not going to be open and they're not going to share with you. And so I would challenge you to try your best in the next couple of weeks to find every reason to agree with your spouse rather than finding reasons why it's not going to work or why their suggestions aren't better than yours. Because you have to remember that people are more important than things. And in the same way, people are more important than the way of doing things. So if it's something that it really doesn't even matter, but you're being picky and you're insisting on your own way, then... What's the point? Because yes, you're going to get your own way, but then you're going to crush your spouse's spirit. So you've won that battle in your mind, but you're really losing that war because you're crushing your spouse's spirit and you're pushing them further, further away. You're allowing them to, in their mind, validate, see, this is why I don't share things with them. See, why even try? And then later on, you get mad at them for not opening up or not helping you clean the house. Well, when they help you clean the house, You get mad and you say, well, use this or why are you doing it that way? This is the way. Just let them have the freedom of doing things the way that they want to do it. Because there's a lot of things that we fight about and pick at that aren't even important. But then they start these little battles between you that, like Tim said before, it just brings up this resentment. 
And it really isn't worth it. And I think this is one of the things I really appreciate about you, Ruth, is that we are so opposite on the personality spectrums. If you guys are aware of the Myers-Briggs personality test, Ruth and I are polar opposites on that test. Now, I think we'll do a podcast on that in the future about personality types. But the interesting thing is that your mind just works so different from mine. And I'll watch you do something with the kids or how to solve a problem. And it's so foreign to how my mind works that I really get this interesting, unique perspective where it's like, oh, that's such an interesting way to look at that or to approach that. Oh, actually, that's that's way easier than what I do. Oh, I, I like that. And it allows you to adopt it. So you can look at how somebody operates differently and you can look at it as dangerous or an enemy to you, or you can look at it as an ally that can give you a new way to solve a problem in a unique way that might be better than the way you were originally thinking about or planning on doing it. And so that extra level of perspective from somebody who has a different idea than you can be helpful if you look at it that way. If you view it in a way where it's dangerous and awful, then you're missing out on totally different avenues you might be able to take that could be very beneficial to you. Oh, thanks, Tim. And I totally agree. There was something, and I cannot remember what it was, but the other day I was trying to figure something out and I was working hard on it. I could not figure it out. So Tim walked in and was like, well, what about this way? And I could have easily been like, that won't work. But he walked in and he was right. He immediately was able to figure it out. And so I think it's so helpful to, instead of insisting your way, ask for people's opinions, try new things and go along with it rather than immediately saying no and try to go against it. And it reminds me of that movie with Jim Carrey, Yes Man, where initially he would say no to everything. And if that's you, if you relate to that, I would just try for a couple of weeks, maybe a month or two, of being able to say yes to your spouse. And just see, you might be surprised at how things get better between you because they're not fearful that whatever they say will immediately be met with a no or immediately be met with reasons why it's not going to work. The next two are, it is not irritable or resentful. Now, I think these really do go hand in hand. And the reason why is if you are resentful, you are going to have a tendency to be very irritable. And so when your partner's talking to you or when you're working through a problem or discussing something or even just like the first interaction you're having with them, if you're coming across in an irritated way, what that's going to end up doing is that's going to elevate your partner's emotion. And if you automatically kind of poke or prod at them, then their emotional response is automatically going to be heightened. And so then they're going to be more likely to start poking and prodding back at you. And the conversation is going to go in a negative way. I just saw this clip of an interview the other day, and it was John and Kate plus eight. And they were sitting together on this couch. And Kate just looked over at John and started reaming him about breathing too loud and then mocked how he was breathing in a very dramatic fashion. And that's a good example of being very irritable and obviously deep, deep levels of resentment that she had towards him. And it caused them to have this awful interaction right in the middle of this interview. And so that resentment, the way you get out of, the way you work out of that resentment is working at solving the problems that are causing you to be resentful. It's not just about forgiving them from hurts or wounds. If you guys haven't solved the problems that are causing you to be upset, they're going to come back up later and then it's going to keep irritating you till you solve it. And I think a lot of times people view these problems as small and insignificant and they just want to kind of sweep them under the rug. But I tell people all the time, 
the small and insignificant things you don't want to ignore because over the course of your relationship, they will end up becoming significant. They will end up becoming a major problem for you. And then that irritability and resentment sets in, and then it causes you to start having really nasty behaviors towards your partner, which then spirals you down into deeper levels of unhappiness and then ends up very quickly moving towards divorce. Yeah, and I would agree that it's totally a spiral because once you start getting irritated, then every little thing becomes irritating. It's like no matter what they do, no matter how small, like breathing, then becomes so big in your mind and you're irritated. And then they leave one cup on the counter and then you're breathing down their throat then. And it's like you begin to nitpick and see all these little things that they're doing. And I would agree with Tim, solving that problem, making sure that you are getting to the root of things. But I would also add in there gratitude, right? Being grateful for little things. Because when you get frustrated for those little things that don't even matter, reminding yourself, man, Tim is so good with the kids. And just last night, even though he was tired, he was having a sword fight with the kids and the kids were having such a blast. So I can be irritated that he left out a glass or two or three on the counter and nitpick along the way everything throughout the day that he's doing. Or I can be so thankful and hear the laughter of the kids and see the joy on their faces and the joy and the fun that he's having. Because it's so easy to look at that one thing out of place. And so make sure that even in this, you're being intentional. And when you catch yourself being irritable, don't let it snowball and don't let it continue throughout the day. Take a minute, gather yourself, go to him and thank him for maybe other things that he's done that day. This next piece, love does not rejoice at wrongdoing, but rejoices the truth. When there's wrongdoing or when there's something that is clearly not honoring to the marriage, to God, to your family, not rejoicing in that and not going along with it, but calling that out and rejoicing with the truth and saying, this is the thing that we should be doing instead of this. And so I think this is really having hard conversations when you do see something in your family or your spouse that's going down the wrong path to not just let them continue in that way but to be able to really point this out. And this doesn't go against what we said earlier about insisting your own way. And where I said, just agree with your spouse as much as you can. This is where there's wrongdoing or there's sin or there's deceit or something that isn't truthful or something that as a whole is not going to benefit your family. And so it's not a matter of preference. This is a matter of wrongdoing. And that in our family, we want to honor God and we want to rejoice in the truth and we want to have things that align with that truth and what is the mission of our family what do we want our family as a whole and anything that goes against that that is clearly not aligned with it we want to make sure that we address it and so that's a portion of what it means when it says don't rejoice with wrongdoing the other portion of that is rejoicing in their failure it's telling you not to rejoice in their failure there's actually a german term i really like for this that i don't think we have an english equivalent to and it's called schadenfreude and basically the translation of that is enjoyment obtained from the troubles of others. And what you don't want to do is if you disagreed with your spouse's take on something and then they decided to go down their path and it doesn't work out well, you don't want to have schadenfreude. You don't want to be joyful or gleeful that their way failed. And so it's kind of that rubbing it in their face because they didn't listen to you. That's really going to cause major problems because even though you may have ended up being right, you're wrong in the way that you're expressing how you were correct. And it's much better to be gracious with your partner and understand, okay, you know what? My idea may have ended up with a better outcome, 
But the more you rub that into your partner's face, the less likely they are to care that you are right and the less likely they are to come over to your side. And then more likely than to justify why their way didn't work out the way they anticipated that it might. So the next piece says, love bears all things, believes all things, hopes all things, and endures all things. And if you're taking all those literally, it's quite a high standard to live up to. This is where you build long-lasting relationships, like we mentioned earlier, that it's enduring and bearing and going through all these things. It's not, it's not just in the joyful things. When you look at traditional wedding vows where it says, for better or for worse, for richer or for poorer, in sickness and in health. I think that's exactly what it's talking about when it says love bears all things. And we take those words and I think we say them and it sounds really good, but then we don't really stop to consider what does that mean? Well, it means you're going to bear all the difficulties. It means you're going to stick through it when things get hard. But I think people, when they're conceptually talking about it, they don't understand the emotional difficulty that they're going to be in. And I think especially on the wedding day, they're running with this emotional high from the wedding and all the friends and family gathered. But 10, 15, 20 years down the line, your spouse gets ill, you guys are struggling with financial issues, you guys are having conflict, and then it causes a lot of people to want to throw in the towel. But then thinking back to, right, when you're getting married, are you just saying those things because they sound like pretty things to say? Or are you actually making this commitment to bear the difficulty that you're going to go through in your relationship? Because that's the truth. No matter what, I tell people this all the time. My wife and I, we're both marriage and family therapists. We still have difficulties. We still struggle. We still have conflict, right? But we're going to bear all those conflicts and we're going to make it through to the other end because we love each other. And again, it's not just that feeling, but it's the actions and behaviors that we're taking to try to bear it. It's not that we're just going to like bear the difficulty and not try to solve it. We're going to also try to solve it so that we don't have to keep that weight on us the whole time. Because holding on to that weight the entire time, that's what really brings out that resentment. Now, the next one's actually really interesting and the idea of believes all things. And this is a problem I run into all the time with couples where one person will ask the other person a question but they have this preconceived notion as to what their partner is going to answer. And then when their partner answers and it's not in line with what they thought they were going to answer, what happens is the other person starts to argue with them about how that's not the real answer. You really mean this, or you really think this. And I know that because of A, B, and C. And I always tell those people, I say, listen, if you're going to ask a question and you're not going to believe them when they tell you something that you weren't expecting to hear, you shouldn't ask the question. You should just go about believing what you believe, because then what you're going to do is when you do ask them questions in the future, they're less likely to be honest with you because they're like, oh, well, they're not going to believe me anyways. Or they're more likely to be automatically annoyed and irritated with you right out of the gate when you ask a question because they're expecting you to fight them on it. And so when your partner's telling you something, unless your partner has had a real and verifiable history of constantly lying to you, it really is much better and much healthier to just take your partner at their word. And when they tell you something, you believe them, right? So again, there is that qualifier. If they have been proven to lie to you again and again and again, I'm not saying just believe them all the time, but if they haven't had this tendency to lie to you, and then all of a sudden they tell you something and you're assuming they're lying to you, even though that's not the history they have with you, you really shouldn't. You should just believe them right out of the gate if they've had, for the vast majority of your relationship, the tendency to be truthful and honest with you. Love hopes all things. So part of this is always being hopeful in the institution of marriage, in your marriage, in your partner. 
We want to be hopeful in who that person is and really help them to become the best version of themselves, the best version in your marriage, the best version as a husband, as a father, as a brother, as a son, all the different roles that Tim plays. I want to help him and have confidence in who he is. And so like we started, we talked about that hard conversation that we had. Part of sitting through that and not leaving is that I'm hopeful for our marriage. But in being hopeful for our marriage, we need to put into action the things that will help that marriage be long lasting. And that the hope that I have in our marriage isn't just, oh, I hope our marriage will last. But I am so hopeful and I I know the things and the actions that we're putting in place and preparing for our marriage, that that feeds into my hope. It's not just this blind hope that I hope happens and I'm going to be disrespectful to him and treat him in this way, but I hope our marriage lasts. No, it hopes. I'm so hopeful for our marriage and we put that hope into action in the way we treat and love each other. And a part of this too is that benefit of the doubt, knowing that Tim is a goodwill person and knowing that he wants the best for our marriage so that when there's things that don't align with that and don't match up, I know the character of who he is. And I believe that about him. And it allows me to be more patient and kind and forgiving of times when he doesn't match up to that or I don't match up to that in our relationship. And then the final thing we'll say is that love never ends. So love is something that is perpetual. It's something that you continue to act. And so if you're wondering, am I loving my partner? It should be an easy question for you to answer if you go back and look, well, have I had loving actions towards my partner? If you've had loving actions towards your partner, you are loving your partner. And oftentimes what will happen is when you have those loving actions towards your partner, it will also produce those loving feelings. But the feelings follow the actions. It's not the other way around. All right, guys, thank you so much for listening. And remember, your mind is a powerful thing. Thank you so much for tuning into this episode of Mr. and Mrs. Therapy. If you enjoyed this podcast or found it helpful, we'd love for you to take some time and leave us a review on Apple Podcast. If you have a question or a topic you'd like discussed in future episodes, visit our Facebook group, Mr. and Mrs. Therapy Podcast, and let us know. Disclaimer, although we are mental health providers, this podcast is for informational purposes only and is not intended to provide diagnosis or treatment. Please seek professional help if you're struggling with persistent mental health issues, chronic marital issues, or call the National Suicide Hotline at 988 if you are contemplating suicide.